I'm Kara, and welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. I believe that all of us possess unique gifts and talents that allow us to serve the world and our own growth in the highest possible way. Our lives are an expression of our thoughts, beliefs, and actions. And here, we will explore businesses, thought leaders, and topics designed to inspire, helping propel your own growth so you can live your best and most purposeful life. Welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. Hello and welcome. Today's episode is about finding your power and purpose in the world with our special guest, Dr. Andrino. And even if you feel that you are in the right career or path right now, there are going to be some juicy tips for how to enhance your career and life even further, creating more opportunities for big expansion and growth. And again, today we are talking with Dr. Andrino. He is a gifted practitioner and one of the most sought after prenatal chiropractors in the DC metro area. He was recognized as Chiropractor of the Year by Northern Virginia Magazine. He has extensive training in a wide variety of techniques and has trained with some of the best chiropractors in the world in order to master the most advanced chiropractic methods. And he's the only alternate provider recommended by the National Migraine Association. And while I could go on and on about his credentials, beyond that, Dr. A, as he's commonly known, is an empath. He is deeply intuitive and has a really interesting story to share with us about his own path that was definitely not in the healthcare field. He'll share with us some of the methods that he used to discover his own path to a more meaningful career and work in the world. And he'll also share with us his process for manifesting what he wants to create and co-create in his life and business, which is, of course, a constant evolution as well. And he also shares with us a powerful practice for breaking through barriers and fears that may be stopping you from expanding and growing to your next level. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Andrino. We are so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, much of the intention of Soul Inspiring Business is really centered around fully aligning with your highest purpose so that you can do your best and most purposeful work in the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I I love what your work, um, you're one of the most sought after prenatal chiropractors in the DC metro area. You have a phenomenal practice and uh, are, um, and are recognized throughout the community. And so, but I know that in your journey, you didn't necessarily think you wanted to become a chiropractor or you maybe didn't even know what that was. So, you know, I'd love to find out more about your story and can you tell me just how you were guided to this type of work? Sure. So, um, I had a job that I was very unfulfilled in. It was a, a wall street job. I was gainfully employed, but, um, as many people realize, money is not everything. And um, I was trying to think of all the different professions that, I, that were in my knowledge base and see which one of those might um, resonate with me most. Because mm-hmm. uh, I had a, very, a vast emptiness in me. Um, even though my work wasn't unpleasant 
on a daily basis, I didn't feel like I was doing anything for anyone except mm -hmm. li lining my own pocket. And so I would thought, you know, I knew about acupuncture. I thought I wanted, I knew I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that much. I thought about acupuncture, but it, it, it never really, when I would even say the words to myself, vibrationally, it just wasn't hitting, you know? Mm -hmm. I felt like I was trying to force a square peg into a round hole. And um, for a long time, I just, I'd, I'd actually go through lists of professions and try and figure out what works for me, and none of them were clicking. But I would, on a regular basis, sort of open myself up to guidance, you know, trying to get, you know, messages from source, re you know, regarding what my, what my life's purpose was. Cause I knew it wasn't that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But sometimes in order for you to have contrast, you have to have one experience for the next one to really be that meaningful for you. Sure. So, um, you know, I had some, I had some pretty dark nights of the soul when I was in this other profession because it was wall street. And there were times where it was, you know, abysmal in terms of how I would feel when I came home. But this is, I, I can't have grandchildren and have them ask me what I did with my life and tell this story. Like, this can't be my legacy. <laughs> you hit your breaking point. Right. But unfortunately, like so many people, I ignore signs all the time, right? Or I did then. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a good listener. And... The universe gave me a major one. I woke up one morning and I had massive, massive vertigo to the extent that it went on for about three or four months. Um, imagine the worst drunk you've ever had in your life for 24 hours straight and then wow. multiply that by, you know, 120 days. Yikes. More. It started, it, it, it would peak in Valley. But I basically couldn't do anything. Um, I was miserable all the time. It was the worst feeling I could, I could, I, I could think of. So I went to doctors all over the place. Um, some people, some even outside of the country, none of them were able to help me. And then I got to a point where I realized I couldn't continue. I couldn't live that way. Long term, there was no way I would continue to live on this planet feeling that way. I, I was I couldn't even go to the bathroom very like effectively. I had to hold on to walls. It was just disastrous. Yikes. Yeah. And then there was a uh, radio station that was playing and they start this ad came on for this chiropractor. Come on in, I'll fix you up. Migraine, vertigo, this and that. And so I thought, what do I have to lose? And I went. And after my second visit, I was about 60% well, which was enough for me because I knew at that point I was going to get well. Because before wow. that, there was no hope that I was going to get well because that's what they were telling me. Um, mm -hmm. After that happened, I, I, and the thing is, he wasn't even particularly, he had an empty office. He wasn't really, I can't say that he was at the top of the, you know, at the top of his game. He was sort of in, at the end of his career. And I don't think his career was, spectacular like I don't even know if he was happy doing it to be honest like he he, he sort of seemed in his job the way I felt on Wall Street hmm, really from my perspective I thought this is incredible because I've been to some of the smartest people you know in the United States for this problem and they basically told me they could do nothing and I just found a guy a few blocks from my house who's a regular guy 
he was able to do this for me. He, he changed my life. I honestly could have committed suicide. If that went on long enough, I don't know that I'd be on this call right now. Wow. So once that happened, I felt something instantly. I just felt it. And I started researching it. And the more I read about it, the more enchanted I became with the whole concept. Within a couple of months, I gave, I was planning my exit. I gave notice and I left Wall Street and I went back to school for four years. The irony to the story is that before this happened, before the vertigo even happened, I started going back to school at night to get a human biology degree because my first degree was not in anything that would allow me to, you know, pursue something in healthcare. Um, it was an evening, uh, like evening adult, you know, class, um, college course, uh, set of courses. And they only had three subjects, uh, majors rather. You could do accounting and it was sociology or something. And then there was human biology. And I was like, that's for me because that's, huh. I know that that is going to help me. Even if I don't use that directly, somehow as I'm helping people, understanding the human body is going to be some tool that um, it's going to rep, it's going to represent a, a greater knowledge base that I'm going to need at some point. Hmm. So um, as it turned out, right as I was finishing with that part of my schooling, the next, the first trimester was beginning at chiropractic college in St. Louis, Missouri. I packed up everything. I had it shipped across country and that was it. I just became a student all over again. And the whole time I was in school, I had, I can't, I had excitement the whole way through because I knew I was where I was supposed to be. You know, you always have students that are sort of complaining about this and that and uh, the workload or, you know, complaining about the way exams are written and so forth. For me, the whole thing was bliss. I was excited from beginning to end. It was, you know, I, I went back as a sec for a second career, so I was older. So my, I didn't have the same pliability mentally that I had when I was a younger person, I did, I did feel that I did recognize it when I saw, you know, people that were just coming out of undergrad, but the material was easy for me. It was as if I had learned this a long time ago somewhere else. And all it was doing was acting as a refresher for me. That's um, incredible. And that's what happened. Well, and I love too, that you said, you know, how, the universe does speak to you often whispers. And then if we don't listen, it just gets louder and louder. That's right. So sounds like that was kind of one of, right. you know, so yeah. Right and there. the thing is you always want to try to hear it early on because those louder messages are also more uncomfortable generally, mm -hmm. because unfortunately as, as spiritual beings have a 3d, having a 3d physical experience, um, on, we, we are currently at a point where, we learn more effectively through negative experience than we do positive experience. And it doesn't have to be that way. Right. But in most cases, it is like that. But it seems like we're going through like a transition right now regarding this. Yeah, I think um, people are becoming more open, certainly, to um, being more guided or being open to miracles happening or, you know, kind of being in that space. Yeah. And I think to a large extent, also people aren't married to, to like tradition. Like, you know, I grew up, my parents did this, so that's what I should do. Not, not the profession, but the, but the pattern of life, 
mm-hmm. go to school, get married, have kids, or whatever the case is. Now people sort of think anything is a, a possible and available to me, and um, I'd like to do such and such. Now on the flip side, because we haven't fully evolved towards that end, we have people that feel that way but are not ready to do the work to mm. get to that. So yes. they're, 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 they're right in that they can do anything they want, and it's great that they want that. they got to be willing to put in the work also. Yes, yeah, the training to get there. Right, right. right. And then you also mentioned that you had a practice for kind of trying to connect with that call it God, the universe, whatever it is, source. And so what does that actually look like for you? What is that practice? I sort of have three voices that I, that I will hear. Mm-hmm. The first voice, the loudest one is my egoic voice, right? Because it's always making noise. It's always the noisiest one. It's chattering. It's, it's, um, it, will, it, it will interject when I'm trying to listen to more subtle messaging then the next one is my, my true self, my, my, my soul body. But then there's also information that comes to me as downloads from outside of my own soul, from outside of myself. And that's usually in response to a question that I have put out there. So I may do something like saying, this is my dilemma and I require guidance, you know, as far as you know, figuring out how to proceed with this in a way that's going to serve all parties involved or for the greater good or, you know, whatever language you want to use. But that's really important too, because you never want it to be just about you. You want it to be for the greater good or, or for the purpose of serving all parties involved. And then I listen and then I just sort of listen, you know, I just sit, I'm not quite, I won't say I was, I'm in a deep meditative state because largely what I'm trying to do is suppress my egoic voice so I can hear what comes through. And it's mm-hmm. almost like slowing down your foremind so that you can listen to the back, background uh, information, data. Um, and then it'll come out. And over time, it's like, an, it's like exercise. The more you do this, the better you become at discerning who's speaking and where it's coming from. Mm. And the better you become at quieting down the egoic part of your mind. And so it gets to the point where it'll happen quite loudly and you'll just, it could almost be startling and it may not be what you want. It may be what your ego wants, but it's always going to be what your soul needs. Right. Right. Um, And generally once you, once you get past the initial um, message and just say, you know what, I'm trusting it. You learn to do so more, more effectively each time. And you learn to realize that, Everything that happens is, is for my benefit. You know, even if there's uncomfortabilities, I know that those uncomfortabilities are going to lead me to my joy, my bliss, my passion afterwards. So I put full trust and faith into it. I don't, um, I don't second guess. Second guessing, second guessing is really the biggest obstacle to overcome. Mm-hmm. Second guessing, being unsure, uh, getting to a point where you go, you know what, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. Um, a lot of people just wind up shutting off the, it's, it's like taking your internet, your cable, just pulling it right out of the wall. You're, right. you're, you disconnect. Now, in terms of a process, so you mentioned kind of 
getting into somewhat of a meditative state is, do you do a meditation before that? Or do you recommend for somebody that's just totally. getting started? You know, yeah. how do you, yeah. Yeah. You've so, never done it before. yeah, you've hit it right on the head. So yeah. So for the longest time at the beginning, in order to get the ego to quiet down, I did have to meditate for, you know, I sat for decent amounts of time and in doing so the ego just sort of, you know, it's asleep. Um, and you can hear much more clearly, but at, over time, um, you really don't have to do it as much. You can almost turn it on at will. Okay, it might take a couple of minutes to ease into a certain state and just sort of remove yourself from physicality. But um, but yeah, I mean, this world's busy, but in a, in a perfect world, I would still do that. But you know, as you start to accomplish more, time, you know, it's the one thing about this experience is that time, while it's not real in a universal sense, it's very real in a, um, in a 3D reality sense. Mm -hmm. so we have to work within those confines because those restrictions and confines were put there for a reason. If they weren't there, we couldn't learn anything. Right, we wouldn't right. be able to learn anything at all. We we would just be omnipotent. We'd have we'd be omniscient. We'd know everything. We'd be able to do everything. There would be no purpose even having the experience. Right, right. On our Earth School here. Exactly. Yeah. Getting back to your chiropractic practice. So you, know, you went to school, and then one of the things that you've shared with me in the past is how when you opened your doors, you did zero marketing, and just continued to attract clients and manifest this fantastic success and growth. And I think some of that is, is when you are in the right place, opportunities just align for you, you know, because things start yeah. to happen, but can you help uh, our listeners yeah. to understand, explain how you did that or how, sure. what your explanation of it is? <laughs> okay. There were two parts to it, the internal part and the external part. The external part was very simple. I realized that I was in a place where I knew nobody. I am an introvert by nature. Which is and hard I, to believe, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, but I, but I, I recognized that in order for me to, you know, succeed, I had to at least know people, right? I had to know people. I had to, I had to make uh, connections. And which is tough because as an introvert, I, I'm not the kind of person that will, you know, walk up to someone and introduce myself, it's, it's very um, anxiety, it's provocative, it, it'll make me anxious. And I, I don't know, it's, it's just, I'm, I've always been sort of reserved in that way. Of course, leave it to the universe to force you into uncomfortable circumstances so that you may grow. Mm -hmm. So it started by me really just introducing myself to people that were in the building that I got my first you know my first suite was in this office building that was all like it was very medically oriented all doctors and so forth and I started by just making friends with the 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 people that um like the maintenance guys in the building the mm -hmm. manage the management and then while I'd be in there maybe one of the practitioners would come in because they had a problem with their suite and they'd introduce me to that practitioner and I'd tell them what I did and they'd be like, Oh, cool. Let me have a card. And that's sort of how it started. Oh, wow. um, there were times where I would, well, I did a lot of, you know, kids need to do exams, like uh, physical exams before they can go to camp, 
or before mm-hmm. they can play certain sports. So a lot of times the places that, that have these um, activities, they don't have like an on-staff uh, person that can do this stuff and sign off on it. So I would just volunteer to do that. And I would do, you know, and I can't even say that I got any patience from it, but somehow in doing so, I became much more comfortable with people and learning how to interact more effectively, how to discuss what it is I do, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's evolved a lot over time. Mm-hmm. And that was really it. That was really it. But I'll, on the external part, now on the internal part, I made lists of things that I wanted to happen. But the way that I did it is as follows. Um, I first would write down where I wanted to see myself ultimately. Then I would break that down into where I wanted to see myself in five years, in three years, in one year. And then for monthly ones, I had much, a much smaller list, but these were things that I wanted each month to look like. And then the weeks of those months, I would write in what action steps I needed to take to do that. Most of the action steps were not um, external. They were not. In fact, almost, there was almost no external aspect to them. But it might be, um, you know, uh, read affirmations, create a, create a, um, like a, a, a vision board or, you know, whatever the case may be. Some things felt like they were resonant with me and some were not. Because there are many, many ways you can use these things, but certain things just didn't work for me. And the ones that worked for me the most was this. I would find some image, some image that was related to where I wanted to be, let's say, in a year. And then I would take time and I would insert myself into that image and see myself in that. It could be from a photograph. It could be something that I just conjured up in my own mind. It doesn't matter. But I would... I would see it by itself, I'd make it ideal, and then I would insert myself into it. And I would just sort of try to like sit back and see how I would feel if that was actually the case right now. Mm. And then that feeling that I would get, that sense of purpose, that sense of purpose, sense of freedom, creativity in, 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 my, in my vocation, because that's what it really was. Um, all of those, that, that amalgam of, of feelings, I would try and hold on to it as long as I possibly could. And after a few times, you could call it up at will and you would just feel it. And I would, you know, feel that sensation for five minutes, 10 minutes, and then just let it go. And that was it. Wow. And I would do it while I was driving. I would do it, you know, in between patients. I would do it while I was walking down the street. It didn't matter. And I would just do that. And the thing is, so multiple times throughout the day, really. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I would, I would write, you know, like when I would write out those sheets, which we'll call goals, because essentially those were basically goal sheets. Um, what I learned was, you know, when they talk about people never being happy, it's not really true. It's not that we're never happy with what we have or what we attain that we need more. It's that our desire to experience in this reality is fluid, not, not static. So for example, if a person wants to know what it, what it's like to become a parent, 
they become a parent, they have a child. But that does not mean that they're just like, okay, I'm done. No, now that they've had that experience, there's further lessons to learn and there's further sensations to, to feel and emotions to experience. And that's why people have second children. Otherwise everyone would have, you know, it would be like, they'd have only children, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, they do it again because each time's a little different and each one sort of leads you somewhere else. It, 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 for, it forces you to evolve in ways that one child wouldn't. So for example, people may open up a business, the business is successful, but they want more. But what they really want isn't more success, it's more experience. More, they wanna broaden their reality, mm. right? So for example, you know, my reality is my home, my office, caring for people. But the office is successful. Very successful practice, laid back. As you know, I go to work in t-shirt and shorts. It's, it, can't, it couldn't be any easier for me. Mm-hmm. But because it's been achieved already, I need to further grow, right? So I have other businesses that I'm working on and other ideas and other creative endeavors that I'm involved with because I need to continue to grow because our desires never stay static. They always are fluid and that's, it's, and, and it shouldn't be looked down upon. It shouldn't be looked at as a negative quality. Like, you know, no one's ever happy. They are happy. They're just constantly looking for new sources of joy. Right. Not that they and to don't deepen the experience. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, um, and then the, the, what's cool is that the same pattern you use to, complete you know to achieve your first goals you just they're reproducible you just keep doing the same thing for the next ones Mm -hmm. and you get good at it it's as easy as hitting copy on a machine you know it just happens um and what you find out is that your imagination your creativity your emotional intelligence just sort of being around people and being able to feel you know how they're feeling just by your, your empathy, your empathic nature really starts to become heightened because mm-hmm. every time you do this, there's so many nuanced experiences within the overarching experience that, that add facets to you without you realizing it until it just spontaneously comes out one day and you hear your own words and you and, and you can see what you're doing. You think, wow, where did that come from? And then you backtrack and you realize this has all been part of my growth. Some people will look at it from the point of view of just, you know, a person that has a job, they did well and they got another job and they did this and they bought this company and sold that company. But no, I have a close friend that's a, that's a, a server. Mm-hmm. He's always going off about how how spiritually um, bankrupt that profession is. Mm. But not to me, because, you know, it's all about how you look at it. When you serve a person food, those nutrients get broken down into molecules and then into atoms, and your body literally takes those atoms and makes new parts, Mm. right? Our liver, our lungs, our kidneys, they're remade every so often. Those cells die and new ones have to be made. That means when you serve them food, you're literally giving them a new body. 
mm-hmm. or the building blocks for a new body. And that is a spiritual profession. If you yeah. look at it that way, if you look at it as just a job, then it doesn't matter what you accomplish in life. You really will never f- experience joy because you'll always be seeing it for the, for the gross uh, physical thing that it is instead of um, the more ethereal um, you know, representation that it presents to you. Right. When I love to, I mean, we talked a little bit about earth school earlier, you know, it it is kind of like we're professional students. It's just that the student may be a business owner that then becomes a a different, you know, opens another business or whatever. You're just continuing to uh, deepen the experience by going into, by using what you've learned and then taking it into a new path. If you, right. Right. So um, I've had, this is hilarious. But I will tell you, in my life, I have been the first one's going to make you really laugh, but it's true. <laughs> I have been a professional dancer. What? I have been a professional musician. Right? I went, my first education was in music composition and performance. Wow. I, I wrote and uh, performed in an off-Broadway play. I was a childhood actor in movies, the whole oh nine my yards. Oh, gosh. Um, I was, uh, um, I, I, here, I'll, this is, I'm learning so much this about great, you this that is, I this never is, knew. This is a great story. So I was walking down the street when I was about 17 and there was a huge bay door that opened up into a warehouse and inside I saw books. They had a hole in the ceiling. It was like a place where they would incinerate stuff. They were burning all these books, a mound of books, stories high. Mm. So I went in and I asked like, what is this place? Why are you burning all these books? And they said, well, you know, these are the leftovers from the publishing house and you have to get rid of them. They weren't recycling back then. This is like, you know, 1980 something. Oh, right. So I looked around the place and I asked, I said, would you sell some of these books to me? And they were like, yeah, we sell them like by the, you know, by the skid, by the pallet, like literally a wooden pallet filled with books. I said, how much would that be? And they were like, well, we'll probably four or five bucks for a pallet because they were going to destroy them anyway. Wow. So what I did was I looked around. I said, you know what? I would like to buy the children's books. They had a bunch of children's books and I bought, I bought a bunch. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I had to figure out how to transport them and everything like that. But then I started selling them on the street. Oh, my gosh. Summer of like 1987 or something like that. Wow. I would sell them uh, 25 cents each, five for a dollar. <laughs> and I was coming home with like seven, $800 in my pocket. Oh my gosh. An entrepreneur back then. Because people would just come and give me like a 50 and say, just fill this bag, whatever fits and I'll just take that. Wow. So then I wound up having to get vans. I had to have storage, storage facilities, hire people to work. And I had them placed at different locations. Every morning we would, we would refill our stock, set everybody up. And it was a booming, booming business. And I enjoyed it because I was the, that's when I first realized that the 
the only thing that really matters when you distill everything down are our connections with people. Mm, That's it. That's really it. So my, uh, my interactions with people were so enjoyable that um, it was a, it was a, a, a pleasure to go to work each day. Mm. Um, but then after, you know, after a while, um, summer was over, fall came in, I continued to do it. Winter started to roll in. I was in New York, so it was cold. Yeah. And I, and I just, I had money put away and I thought, eh, I'm ready for something else. Mm. And that was it. And I walked away from it and it wasn't that, you know, there wasn't, there was nothing wrong with it. It's just that I had fulfilled my need to right. do what I wanted to do. And that was it. It was time to move on. Well, and I think that also when you look back at your life and you look back at um, when you are maybe in a place, like for example, when you were in wall street and trying to figure out what you wanted to do, you look back at the things that, what did I do that then gave me joy at different right. points in my That's life? Right. You know? Yeah. And you'll, and you and you, you will find parallels. Right between the jobs, and that—that's what I mean. Where the the connectedness is really what it's all about. Because, um, like for example, being alone in a room won't do it for me. I need to be interacting with other humans, interacting, mm-hmm. sort of feeling their energies, figuring out how I could you know, like sort of raise their vibrational tone. If they're down here and I'm here, I want to bring them up a little bit. And um, because you never know, I think about how many people positively influenced my life by just uttering one sentence. Like for example, I told you I was an act, I was an actor. I was in a coffee shop, just sort of, uh, I was doing imitations at this coffee shop for my mother. And um, these two guys came over and they were, they were agents and they said, you know, have you ever done any acting? And my mother was like, no. And my mother was sort of like, we don't know who these people are. I want to keep my son safe. Like, Get out of here. Um, but there was another woman sitting with us, my mother's friend. And um, she said, you know what? What's the worst? Go with him. See what it's all about. And then I, and, and she looked at me. She said, you should try this. Just try it. And I listened to her. And it led me down a whole path of experiences and things that were, you know, looking back on my life. And I'm so ha- glad and so happy that they happened. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you think, when I think back about all of the things that happened because I was somehow influenced by people that were put in the right place at the right time to, to nudge me. Mm -hmm. Now, when I'm talking to people, if I see an opportunity to be that person, I'll do it. Mm, I love that. I'll encourage it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what would be your, if, one of our listeners, our audience is listening and they're saying, I'm in that Wall Street job or I'm in some job that is just not leaving me fulfilled. I know I need a change or maybe I am in the right place, but I'm not really having the success that I want to be at. I mean, what would be your biggest piece of advice, I would say, that you could give them? The first thing, I think there's only really one thing. You got to find out what the major block is and then you have to chip away at them. Most, most of the time, the biggest block is fear. In most cases, it's fear and um, fear and self-worth, right? So a person will either be too afraid to take the leap because they're like, well, what I have right now isn't bringing me joy, but maybe it's better than what's going to happen if I step out of this. Maybe it's best if I just stay. That's fear, and fear can be a huge obstacle. 
On the other hand, they could also already be where they need to be, but not reach the level that they want to be at. And sometimes that's a self-worth thing. I know people that have made the same, they do okay, but they've made the same number regardless of what occupation they've had. They've changed occupations, but their ceiling is an internal one because wherever they go, they're always earning the same. Your lifestyle, it's okay if that's what, if you want that lifestyle, but if you want a greater lifestyle or you want more experience, you want to experience a different type of lifestyle and it's not happening, that means that you're probably still in your own way and you got to convince yourself that you deserve to have the experience. You got to look at life also as sort of a game, like none of this is really real, right? And it, it makes things easier because when you realize it, it's like clay, right? We could make an ashtray or we could make a swan or whatever it is. And that's how life is. Well, I could be this, or maybe I want to go into politics or maybe I want to be, um, you, you know, be that person that becomes a, a, a yoga teacher. You have to you have to see life as this sort of malleable material that you can put turn into whatever you want, and that none of it really matters. When you do that, self worth doesn't really get in your way because you're like, well, none of this is real anyway, so I might as well have the experience, and and that's it. But when you think of life in different terms as as an ultimate reality, then people will be like, do I deserve this? And deserving has nothing to do with it. It's all about whether or not you're in, you have any kind of, you know, you're impeding yourself from doing it. You either are, or you aren't. Right. And, you, and that's, that's really it. Uh, so the first thing is to figure out what blocks you might have. The easiest way is to close your eyes, think of something other than what you're doing and, and see what you feel like. Cause usually it's a visceral feeling. You'll, mm. if it's fear, you're going to feel it in your stomach. You know, you'll feel it in your shoulder plexus. It feels like a, a weird gripping, um, just not good sensation. If it's, if it's a self-worth kind of thing, you'll almost have like a mild version of, of sort of what secondhand like embarrassment for like a bad comedian might feel like. It's much more muted than that, but it has that sort of, I want to crawl under a pencil kind of sensation. And, um, and once you know what it is, then you got to get to work on that. The good news is once it's typically, once it's out of the way, it's for the most part out of the way. But it will come back to lesser extents throughout your life. And you'll just have to constantly be aware of it because um, it's the origins of, of these falsehoods um, are deep, man. They're deep. They're deep in there. And um, it's easier to overcome them than it is to completely remove them from the roots. You know, you could spend a lot of time trying to get rid of them, but it's easier if you just figure out how to circumvent them because the time that you spend trying to pull them out from the roots results in, you know, lost time, lost years. Right. Uh, right. So, and, you know, you can, and if it's, it's also fatiguing. Right. What are the tips for removing the fear then? What would you, I mean, so you started, you had said earlier some of the things that you did to create, because I do believe we can all create whatever we want. You know, it's just a matter of getting clear on that. And you had talked about your lists and your visualization and really a lot of the things that you did to manifest for yourself. Um, but in terms of removing the fear, what does that look like? So, so my method is sort of weird. It kind of came out of uh, neuro linguistics programming. It's sort of, it's, it's sort of a, uh, it's, 
stolen from NLP, and this is what I do. Um, let's say, for example, I wanted to expand my practice. And I, whenever I picture a second or third or fourth satellite office, I felt, I felt that fear sensation. Okay. So what I do is I close my eyes and I picture some image that represents that fear. Now, it could be the image of those offices. It could be looking at my balance sheet. It could just be the thought of the offices, or I could actually create some symbol that to me means that. Mm. It could be a little mental sign that says business expansion, whatever it is. But you have to have some image. And then what I do is I feel the sensation, I look at the image, and then I have it explode. Like literally watch it just explode the way, the way, um, like when like a meteor is coming towards earth and it gets to our stratosphere and it just breaks up into a million pieces, sort of like that. And I do it over and over and over again until I think about it and I don't feel that sick feeling anymore. And then the next day I'll try it again. And if I feel it, I'll do that again. And I'll keep doing it until eventually I have, you know, many, many days where I no longer have that sensation. Huh, that that's is so it. powerful. Yeah, I am I I'm really, thank you so much for sharing that because I'm sure. going to use that myself. <laughs> the, and, that's, and the other thing I should say, there's a lot of ways to do things, it, endless way, endless number of ways, but it's important to find one that suits the, the individual. Not every method is good for every person. That's why you have to try a bunch of them until you figure out which one is, uh, is the one that's going to work best for you. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Well, um, well, thank you so much. This has been such a treat and I've learned a lot more about you and I'm excited for our listeners to learn more about you as well. And then lastly, can you tell our listeners how they can find you, that they want to learn more about you and oh, your work and your practice? Sure. The easiest way is, well, if they want to know more about my work, the best way is to go to uh, www.chirogroup.net or just email drandrino at chirogroup.net. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. We'll include that in the show notes as well. Excellent. So Excellent. It, so. Uh, so thank you again so much and uh, I appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. All right. Be well. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Soul Inspiring Business. If you found this helpful, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you feel so bold, share with others you think it could help as well. Until next time.